0: What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Nurse Ree, and you're tuning in to Forensic Nurse Files. This is an informative but fun true crime podcast that follows the careers of three forensic nurse examiners. You just want to note that this podcast uses foul language, some sarcasm, and contains descriptions of adult themes and violence that some people may find disturbing. So if you need support, please check the show notes or visit our website. Y'all.
1: welcome back. It's Nursery. Oh, Nurse Joy, I'm back. I've been through some shit, but I'm here. <laughs> yeah, bitch, like where the fuck you been yeah, at? Home. Here I am. I'm back. It's okay. We're doing great. Life comes at you real fast. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. What the fuck did I just go through? But it's fine. I'm alive and I'm here and I'm back with Nursery. Yeah. So, hey i know what are we talking about today girl
0: i mean unfortunately we're still on this child abuse
1: train dude so i this one this one girl (laughs) this one so i have a child right and i was doing forensics before i had this child and i felt a certain way when i had pediatric patients but let me tell you how much different it is after you have a child and then you look at these little faces and it's so heartbreaking it's so heartbreaking dude it's i hard. feel like it's
0: it's real near and dear to my heart like
1: i know i feel like because you take care of them medically and emotionally that they're like kind of all your babies
0: yeah I don't need any kids. They're all
1: I know. You have like so many. <laughs> you just didn't birth <laughs> any of them. Literally. But you like we kids. said
0: before, it's like the kids and the elders. Like, those, those are my it's guys. both
1: sides of the spectrum, just like newborns to like 100 year olds.
0: Has having a kid affected you, do you feel like, when it comes so, to forensics?
1: I didn't think it would because I had been doing forensics for a little while before I had had her and then after i came back it, it's true everybody says like oh my god you changed so much after you become a mom and then i i used to make fun of people <laughs> i am now the mom that i used to make fun of because like you truly don't understand until you have them but i feel like you have a different advantage because you work with kids and you've worked with children for over a decade you know so i feel like you also even though you don't have any like human children um, I feel like you also understand them a little bit more than just people who, even some people who are moms. I mean, clearly, because a lot of the child abuse comes from parents. So, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, for me personally, yeah, I felt this, like, certain heartstring that I didn't know that I had um, get tugged at a lot after I had had her. So, yeah. It's been.
0: you feel like you have less tolerance for the suspects
1: now oh absolutely
0: absolutely yeah.
1: because it's disgusting it's yeah. disgusting like I, I already feel like it's there's something wrong with you for like mm-hmm. an adult assault adult sexual assault you know anything like that but towards a child that's mm-hmm. a whole different sickness my friends mm-hmm and a it's dark one it's a deep deep up in there, dark one and there's yeah. something real fucking wrong with you with some people because i just don't understand because you know children children have this innocence about them and mm-hmm. i don't i don't understand what any one of them could have done to deserve any of the, i mean obviously nothing but straight abuse and sex this the sexual abuse ones get me
0: yeah yeah, yeah. And there's that's a, the part that gets me too is that there's that innocence and then people capitalize on that innocence.
1: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And it's a, dif- a different kind of disgusting. Mm-hmm. A different type of disgusting. So, it's yeah. Yeah. And
0: we, yeah, they're fucked. And I feel like we were just talking recently about that Jared from Subway thing and how fucking fucked that is.
1: Yeah. Um, yes. Just real
0: eye opening. Did it's you watch? eye opening. I watched the whole thing, unfortunately. like
1: I, I got, like, halfway through it, and not because I didn't want to finish it, it was because I was going through some shit, and so I didn't get to finish it, but I will. But the first half that I watched, and, I mean, I can say this because, I mean, obviously the out, but how he just, like, casually, like, in the beginning, I think he just told that reporter, right? Like, mm-hmm. is that's how it started to come out. He had said something, he had said something Disgusting to like a random like reporter that he was working with, and I was like, "How do you just openly like just tell a stranger? Oh yeah, like yeah, you're you're disgusting like preferences, and yeah, I don't understand yeah. like what what was that? I
0: don't what yeah, and then try to solicit her for her children for her own yes. children,
1: dude. Like you
0: like the audacity, like the, the yeah. gall.
1: It's so weird to me." It's just how it yeah. unfolded like, was just strange to me. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, so,
0: and to think like, that that's understand. the mindset that probably a lot of predators and child abusers have. Like,
1: oh god, I will ugh. never understand. I will never understand. I never want to understand. I don't want to know. And I, I mean, I, I obviously I want to know because fucking you deserve to be aired out for that shit and taken care of for it too. But that's yeah. just not. That's just not normal, normal it's gross normal. and it's wild
0: because like one of our statistics that we have here is about how common child abuse and neglect are so yeah. at least one in seven children have experienced child abuse or neglect in the past year in the united states and that's just reported cases so one in seven it's probably at least double that
1: yeah you know? at least at the very least because i don't I just, enough. I'm still stuck on, like, I don't understand how people can abuse children like that. I just don't understand it. And to that magnitude, because that's a, you know, I always say it in every episode all the time, but like, that's a huge number. Yeah, it's a huge huge number. number.
0: And it makes me think back to like, remember during COVID when we were like locked down and we barely had any child abuse cases?
1: Yeah, which didn't necessarily mean there were none. It just meant that they were unreported.
0: Right, and because schools were closed, right, kids weren't going More to school. Bad. And one of our main, one of our main reporters are schools. Yes, yes. And oh so, my gosh, I didn't even
1: think about that. Yeah, when COVID happened, bro, we had no cases. We had like no men. cases, we like none. Which, is, which
0: for the area we work in is terrifying.
1: So oh, terrifying. Like I oh. wonder in that year how much was missed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like in that in that year now, I mean well almost two years is when it was still almost two years it was still slow yeah. and it wasn't until yeah probably like two years and some changes when it started to pick up again right but- and so here's a
0: statistic for 2020 um 1,750 children died in 2020 so- from oh. abuse and neglect in the United States. Almost so, two thousand.
1: To highlight, you said they died. They didn't get abused. They didn't get hurt. They weren't, you know, they seven one thousand seven hundred and fifty children passed away. Yeah. And from, just from the them. abuse. From abuse and neglect, yeah. Great. Dude, I now that I'm reading the outline you made, like I start to think about the story, like the stories that I have of the child abuse cases I've done and um when we start doing our story episodes I have to i have to make a list because they first of all like how sad is there that I have a list because no there I know. there shouldn't be one but yeah. just the stuff that the stuff that That's so really yeah crazy. when we start telling our story episodes, I gotta remember that one because that one was like really like oh, yeah. bizarre because a lot of the drug uh, so a lot of the drug addicts don't Physically abuse the kids, they just neglect them, which exactly. is still abuse. Yeah.
0: yeah. But
1: they don't, because they love them, well, to the ability that they know how to, minus mm-hmm. their disease, but they don't like yell at, like emotionally manipulate, blah, 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 like physically or whatever. They're just neglected. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, it's so fucked up. Yeah. The they
1: neglect choose,
0: is a whole, nother level.
1: Is a whole, a whole other level. It's a whole other level, dude.
0: I feel like I've I've come a lot of across a lot of kids that have been neglected, and they end up like you said, like nonverbal, you know, like on the spectrum somehow, just like
1: shy, skittish, scared. Yeah,
0: so sad.
1: I hate it. I hate it here. I hate it here. (sighs) Okay, so, um, so children living in poverty experience more abuse and neglect. Why? I feel
0: like a lack of knowledge, maybe parents are like trying to get money any way they can and they're not in the home and they can't afford childcare. They might be, They might just leave the kids at home and go do whatever they can to, to get some money in some instances. Um, it's just a lot of stress. There's a lot of stress that's placed on families when there's a lack of funds.
1: And you think what the stress just places.
0: I think that yeah, the stress probably displaces with when it comes to physical abuse for sure. Mm-hmm. When it comes to neglect, I think it's more of what I was saying. Like they're just there's other priorities. Maybe they look at it as that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like there's so many reasons.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where there's just like, so many layers for it. Um, mm-hmm. and then rates of child abuse and neglect are five times higher. For children and families with low socioeconomic status. Damn.
0: Five times is a lot. Like, the lack of education brings a lot of risk factors for a lot of things.
1: Yeah. When it says low socioeconomic status, does that mean, like, families that aren't educated on so say like sexual health and stuff like that and I think it just means low
0: income yeah I think it means like low income low education like all Mm. of those things just accumulated and I think that that all yeah there's not a there's no knowledge on these things there maybe is not access to contraceptives or there might be a lack of knowledge surrounding contraceptives
1: Yeah, so that, I feel like education on sexual health and stuff like that, too, is really important. For sure.
0: I mean, I think about, like, where I went to school at, and we had sex ed in school, Mm -hmm. but I know not every school does that. Yeah, yeah. And then if you have parents that are not going to educate you on it either, Mm -hmm. where are you going to get
1: knowledge about this from? Exactly. How are you going to know How are you going to get educated if your parents don't teach you and your school doesn't teach you? Um, So child maltreatment is costly. In the United States, the total lifetime economic burden associated with child abuse and neglect was about $592 billion in 2018. This economic burden rivals the cost of other high-profile public health problems such as heart disease and diabetes. So we're spending the
0: same amount
1: of money or more on
0: child abuse and and neglect as compared to heart disease and diabetes.
1: So the same theme with the other uh, topics we've talked about is forensics. Like our job is based on people that choose to act this way towards other people, right? So people with heart disease, right? And Um, What was the other one? Heart disease and diabetes. Stuff like that is genetic. So you're, you have it when you're born or, you know. um, And then when you, when you, when you have heart disease or diabetes, you could either choose to be um, compliant or non-compliant. And then depending on like which way you go, um, your outcome is either better or worse, right? So child abuse, somebody chooses to do this for absolutely no fucking reason. Um, And that's why we're all here um which makes absolutely no fucking sense to me why would you choose that I don't know
0: I feel like misery loves company and I that's like a saying that we hear all the time but I think it's Mm -hmm. so true like if you're a miserable person and you're a parent and you're just like reeling you're gonna take it out on somebody and if the only person that's there is your child then they're gonna get the brunt of that unfortunately
1: and that's not fair at all to the child
0: not fair Mm -hmm. at all no, and I feel like it's like Nurse Ellie said in the last episode, like you get mad, you go home, you kick the you kick the dog, but in this instance it's like you're upset, you're reeling, you go home, you abuse or neglect your child. It's also side note there. animal
1: abuse is side note, animal abuse is fucked up too. Don't do that either.
0: Don't do that either. Like do not. Oh, I love my fur baby.
1: I don't know. Okay, so after effects. What after effects? do we see
0: the so, immediate effects of child abuse and neglect are I, th- I feel like these are the most common things that we hear about physical mm-hmm. injuries cuts bruises broken bones um emotional or psychological problems anxiety post-traumatic stress like uh, uh, some kids have these on their own like you know mental health issues are things that you can be born with but a lot of the times um a lot of these issues are from the environment that you're raised in yes so,
1: Yes, absolutely. And the emotional and psychological problems, like, well, I mean, you noted in the outline um, anxiety and post-traumatic stress is, well, I mean, like in the category, it's immediate. So um, I feel like when the um, physical abuse happens, then the emotional uh, after effect happens immediately. But then if this happens constantly, which most of the time it does... It's just stacked on top of each other every single day so like the yeah. bigger the anxiety and then everything that like ripple effects from that so you're depressed because you have post-traumatic stress because you have you were abused you know which goes into the long-term effects so um the long-term effects are future violence victimization and perpetration substance abuse uh, sexually transmitted infections. Delayed brain development, lower educational attainment, and limited employment opportunities. So a big thing is, well, I mean, all of them are big things, right? But future violence, victimization, and perpetration, that's a thing. That's real. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of our child abuse cases that we get, there's always a history of some sort of abuse in the family that's pre-existing.
0: Yeah, it's a cycle. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. (laughs) definitely
0: a cycle it takes me back to that and this is not even well I guess it is child abuse but it's more of the sexual abuse when I had that family that was just like abuse after abuse Uh, Oh, it was like the one
1: with nine siblings or something crazy
0: yeah it was five siblings well five that were abused at least but it was just like from dad on down and it's a cycle And unfortunately, like, when you're exposed to that at a young age, you're more likely to commit that in the future.
1: I wonder why, and I mean, I mean, it's just a thought. I wonder why, you know, if you're exposed to violence early on, why instead of your brain saying, like, I would never do this because I experienced it, it mimics it. Because it's an interesting thing to look into. You see, like, our generation, a lot of my mom friends, well, and then even you, because I know, I mean, you've told me about your past, you would never do a lot of the things that you experienced, and same with me, like, I'm no contact with my mom now, um, mm-hmm. because I would never do to my daughter what, I, what she did to me, so it's like we, you and I recognized the abuse, right? And mm-hmm. then turned, ended the cycle, pretty much, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. so we we ended the cycles, but a lot of people continue it. So it's very interesting how the brain works and genetics work and all that stuff. Yeah, And
0: I also think that a lot of the time the brain just takes the path of least resistance. It's easier to just continue than it is to Mm -hmm. implement change. Change. change is hard
1: yeah. change is really hard especially against the grain um mm-hmm. so yeah
0: that's crazy yeah. That's real out here and then like the delayed brain development like for sure if you're neglected and isolated that's gonna stunt mm-hmm. your growth it re- for me it relates to a lot of the kids that I see that are hospitalized over and over and over it's not necessarily that they're neglected or abused but they're in the hospital and that stunts their development and their growth it's almost like the Mm -hmm. same thing um because you're not getting the exposure that you need yeah and then especially if they're shaking baby syndrome or something like that then you're gonna have the consequences of that i know
1: So... so chronic abuse uh, may result in toxic stress, which can change brain development and increase the risk for problems like post traumatic stress disorder and learning, attention, and memory difficulties. They have now that I read all these after effects, like, these all happen simultaneously in children that are continuously abused
0: or exposed. So like this one, like sits heavy with me because, um, growing up there was a lot of toxic stress in my house. And, mm-hmm. you know, now I have like anxiety, a little bit of depression in there. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know that being exposed to these things, with me you know what I mean yeah yeah and so and I see a lot of commercials now weirdly that talk about toxic stress in children and so I know that there's a, a push for parents and everyone to just be more aware of what you allow your child to be around in the environment mm-hmm. that they're raised in because it does affect them like more than you know children are sponges
1: yeah Oh, yeah. And you, so you think that uh, they don't understand. Oh, but they do. Mm-hmm. Oh, they do. Mm-hmm. You know. Absolutely. And before you know it, mm-hmm. they completely understand situations that they shouldn't completely understand.
0: Right. <sighs> oh, so, so I'm, And I'm sure you see that with your baby girl.
1: Mm-hmm. It's really sad. That's why I chose to out of a situation. I didn't want to be in anymore. <laughs> for the her. Yes, no, yes. Not really for my right. sake. Because, like, fuck me. Like, I'm already fucked up. we <laughs> <laughs> fixing this, this brain. But, you know, for the sake of her. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, For the sake of her. You know, my husband always says, like, oh, she's not going to remember. And sometimes, like, I think about it. And I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes yeah. I think she will. And I don't know. I guess we'll find out when she actually speaks sentences. Which lazy ass won't still hasn't
0: give her lazy her time ass. like god damn all
1: right so well, i know i think i'm gonna be sad if she when she starts talking because like all of the little baby stages are like you know slowly like coming and going so i think i think also too i i should probably appreciate that she can't talk yet because i can't fully argue with her yet so <laughs> when she starts to talk i'll probably be like fuck can you go back to so, like not talking because Right, exactly. Right yeah, um, you have a little we... you yeah. Dude, it's like the best and the worst thing.
0: <laughs> so risk factors for victimization. So children younger than four years of age is a big one. Um,
1: They're small. We...
0: I know, isn't it fucked? We talked about um, shaken baby syndrome on the last episode. And I feel like that's a huge one because children less than one year old are at a huge risk for that. Just to reiterate, and like we said before, one in four babies who experience shaken baby or abusive head trauma, they die. So it, that's that's a really, really big one. Children with special needs, that may increase caregiver burden. So if they have disabilities, mental health issues, or chronic physical illnesses, um, I think that puts you at a for sure higher risk for abuse or neglect because mm-hmm. caregiver burnout right people get yeah. frustrated they get
1: tired yeah. um, they don't it's a lot deal. of it's a lot of weight on the caregiver um which i mean doesn't make it okay but i mean think about it it's a lot of weight to carry 24 7 literally 24 7 you yeah. know when somebody's yeah. needs need to be met a little that that are a little more difficult than your needs, right? And you have to tend to this little person all the time. It's hard. It's really hard. Um, And we see this
0: a lot too in the um, PICU and CV, like the strain that it puts on the parents um, Mm -hmm. when you have a child that has these conditions or needs or or some kind of physical illness um, or chronic illness. You see a lot of parents go through divorces they split up it's just like such a burden unfortunately like on the relationship and i I just could see where it could go south and then the child gets the brunt of it
1: yeah once again the child doesn't do anything to deserve the treatment but yet Mm. it somehow ends up that way so so uh risk factors for perpetration so this this list is a lot longer than the other one way long. Thing. yeah I and across the board for all the topics we've talked about the risk factors for i think honestly for perpetration have always been longer than the victimization um yeah i but, agree
0: and i think a lot of them are very similar
1: yeah and then also these overlap so it's never mm-hmm. like somebody that has one risk factor it's somebody that has multiple so they're all layered So, risk factors for perpetration. Uh, Caregivers with drug or alcohol issues. Um, Caregivers with mental health issues, including depression, which a lot of people who have mental health issues resort to drug and alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. Drugs and alcohol. Um, Caregivers who don't understand children's needs or development, which probably makes them a lot more short-fused and impatient. Um, Caregivers who are abused or neglected as children. So, we talked about the cycle. Um, Caregivers who are young or single parents or parents with many children. Single parenting, I can't imagine how difficult that is. Um, And then a young single parent with multiple children. So you're going at it alone. You barely know, like, you know, you're barely an adult and you have more than one person you're responsible for, which probably causes the mental health issues, which resorts to the drugs and alcohol See? Exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, caregivers uh, with low education or income. So we talked about the um, low socioeconomic status earlier. Um, caregivers experiencing high levels of parenting stress or economic stress. Um, caregivers who use spanking and other forms of corporal punishment for discipline. Caregivers in the home who are not a biological parent. Oh, Okay i didn't think
0: so of that I feel one. I like we see. I've seen that in a lot of like. I feel like famous cases where maybe there's a step parent and they're like, "That's not my biological child," and they unfortunately take it out on that child.
1: You know what, Gabriel and who's the other little boy? Anthony. Anthony. They were both a parent and the the parent's step. partner who yeah. wasn't their biological other parent.
0: Yeah. Which yep. fuck me.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But, like, fuck all of <laughs> them. But fuck yeah. all of
0: them. Yeah, exactly. Good thing they all in jail. All Good them. thing they, they all are in be, jail.
1: They That's should funny. be
0: under the jail, but at least yeah. they're in
1: jail. Fuck all of them.
0: But, yeah, then- super comment when they're not biological. Be careful who you let in your house.
1: Dude, I'm telling you, and I'm, I think about all of my pediatric sexual assault cases, and I shit you not, it is always my, uh so, so in, in the cases that I've done, it is, it has always been mom's boyfriend or a family friend. Always. Mm-hmm. Every single time mm-hmm. it's mom's boyfriend or a family friend. Yeah. I don't know. Be careful. Who someone that
0: known. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's all, usually someone known.
1: And I want to say all of my, all of my cases that weren't suspicious injuries were somebody known. My sexual assaults, they knew the person. My domestic violence is they knew the person, my child yeah, abuse the same. Is. Even the elderly abuses? Yeah. The elderly yeah. abuses they knew? Yep. It's other than the suspicious injuries. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely agree. One more time, nursery. Be careful who you let in your house. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because this is the shit that fucking happens.
0: Yeah. And you think about babysitters and stuff like yeah. that. Like,. Yeah. You see that a lot, too, on the news. People set up nanny cams, and they watch, and they find out that their child's being abused by the babysitter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So just be careful.
0: So some family risk factors. Uh Families that have household members in jail or prison, and maybe because that's just a cycle of abuse, who knows why they're in jail or prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, families that are isolated from and not connected to other people. So
1: see, like, see? Yeah.
0: that's a huge red flag in anything like, especially domestic violence. I feel like we saw that if someone is isolating you from your family and friends, huge red flag. Yes. It's not right there.
1: Yes, absolutely. I absolutely agree.
0: Families experiencing other types of violence, including relationship violence. So, your child should not be exposed to any types of violence, once again, especially relationship mm-hmm. violence, which intimate partner violence, domestic violence, all mm-hmm. of those types of things put them at a greater risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, families with high conflict and negative communication styles, again, ties into the um, your child being exposed to certain things. Um, yes. And that toxic stress that we talked about
1: earlier. See, the negative communication styles, I feel like, also, um, like, Mm -hmm. shouting, arguing, um, all that stuff, like, miscommunication, does a whole, like, it's like a switch, right? Like, um, just that little bit of miscommunication causes, like, the ripple effect of other issues. Mm -hmm. So.
0: Yeah, be careful how you talk to your child.
1: Mm -hmm. or each other in front of your child
0: community risk factors so this is the last section of risk factors so communities with high rates of violence and crime ties into the same thing what your child is exposed to is is what can influence them Mm -hmm. communities with high rates of poverty and limited educational and economic opportunities low socioeconomic communities Mm -hmm. Um, communities with high unemployment rates same thing easy access to drugs and alcohol
1: they like kind of overlap and they're similar yeah 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 Yeah.
0: and they it's just like they happen at every level at the individual level at the family level and on a bigger scale at the community level so
1: yes yes oh that's a good way to put it that is a really good yeah. point to put it. Um, so prevention. Um, so strengthen economic support to families by strengthening household financial security and family friendly work policies. Um, that's difficult to do from the outside looking in, um, because like family-friendly work policies. <laughs> so and then like for, yeah. Um, I mean, I understand how this would help, but it's just not it's not that easy, right? It's not that's
0: not. It's at not all. All.
1: But um, change social norms to support parents and positive parenting with public engagement and education campaigns and legislative approaches to reduce corporal punishment. It just is dependent on the situation and the person, because I know a lot of really good moms and dads that spank their kids, Mm -hmm.
0: you know, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Provide quality care and education early in life with preschool enrichment and family engagement and improve quality of childcare through licensing and accreditation. I feel like, and I said this in the last episode, I feel like there needs to be a lot of education that starts during pregnancy and in the home. Mm -hmm. Um, if mom and dad are involved, both mom and dad need to be educated about what it is to have a child and bring a child into this world and what to expect, even though not every, um, Parenthood is going to be the same, but there's certain mm-hmm. things you have to know that your baby's going to cry. They're going to cry all night. You're going to lose mm-hmm. sleep, and there's just like you just have to be prepared for that because I don't think a lot of people are. Yes, especially the last yes, week part.
1: Yes. Oh yes, girl. Um, mm-hmm. it, I feel like also it just needs to be more available and more easily um accessible uh to parents and then also um people need to be a little more open to furthering education over things like that you know so
0: and people need to know it's okay to take a break it's okay to (laughs) if you have the family support or you have people to trust it's okay to leave your baby with somebody and go Mm
1: -hmm. if you need
0: a break just go
1: Yeah, and that's something that people don't talk about because, like, so, women in general, and, like, this is a whole other branch, but, like, women in general, there's a lot of pressure on this, and, like, fuck all y'all, but, like, (laughs) so it's, like, you're either a good mom or a bad mom. You have to be a good wife or a bad wife. Like, you have to work, but if you want to work, you can't work too much because you're still a mom. You know, like, all this other shit, and I'm like, see, men don't have to go through all that. See, men don't have to Mm -hmm. go through all that. So, Mm -hmm. I think that's also where it lies, is, um it being okay and to be honest with yourself like
0: yeah
1: like want are going to edc can you believe it's edc time again remember last year we were supposed oh to go my to God. Yeah. yeah intervene to lessen harm and prevent future risk with enhanced primary care behavioral parent training programs treatment to lessen harms of abuse slash neglect exposure and treatment to prevent problem behavior and later involvement in violence
0: so I feel like that's kind of what I was just saying. Like, do we just need to have more education, like for parents and yes. resources and yeah. teaching? Because again, like I'm going to keep going back to shaking baby because we see it so freaking often and it's, it's extremely common. People need to be educated on it and the after effects and how serious it is. And you you can cause your baby permanent damage, like lifelong damage or death, um, and it's unfortunate how often that we see kids come in because of that. So if we had better um, practices in place, like I said, in other states that I've worked in, patients, babies less than one year old can't be discharged from the ICU from the floors unless parents are educated on shaken baby syndrome. So um, yeah. I think that every every state should adopt that practice. And we should be educating even before the children are hospitalized. Um, when the, when pregnancy starts, they should be educated on it.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because I feel I wonder how many things would be different, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if they were just educated from the beginning.
0: So or have the support or have the resources to get mm-hmm.
1: support. Oh yeah, because women need a lot of support during this this time.
0: Yeah, they say it takes a village.
1: Oh, it and that's absolutely true.
0: So, all right. So, when we do our exams, one thing that is different about child abuse exams is that they don't require consent. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. the, if if we suspect if anyone that you come in to contact with in a hospital, it doesn't matter if it's a doctor, a nurse, uh, environmental services, the janitor, whoever. If they suspect that a child is being abused, it's reportable and we will do a forensic exam.
1: Oh, no. Yeah. We're Um, all
0: mandated reporters in the hospital. It doesn't matter who it is.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, So, interview child separate from parent slash caregiver slash whoever they arrive with. Um, So, this one, because I was a, well, I still am, but I'm an adult care practitioner uh, it was very awkward for me because, well, when I first started forensics, I didn't have my daughter. Um, so speaking to children uh, was awkward in the sense of it was foreign. And then you you talk about a very sensitive subject, right? So mm-hmm. um, how do you change your language to, to make it not seem childish, even though you're speaking to a child, but to make it seem important enough? But in a way that they can fully comprehend. Right. Um, and then, you know, they've been through a lot of strange, confusing things today, right? Um, something happened that wasn't good. It was, you know, parent, caregiver, person took me to this crazy ER where all these people are poking and prodding at me. I have to tell the story a thousand times. You got to tell it to me one more time, you know? Um, So it was interviewing children separate from the whoever they came with was really weird. I feel like with you, like, at least you knew how to talk to kids. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that ties into the next bullet point, which is a lot of uh, forensics units require um, forensic interviewing training before you're able to Mm -hmm. even interview children because there's such a science Mm -hmm. to it. And a lot of kids are taught about stranger danger and not to talk to strangers. And so Mm -hmm. here they are with like four or five, six different strangers trying to ask them about something they've been through, you know, staring. They don't want to talk. Yeah, it's terrifying for them. So There is definitely a science to it. And, and the, the kicker is you have such a short amount of time to gain their trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the smallest thing can deter that. So yeah. it, it can be challenging. So we always try to give them a comfort item. We had blankets, bears, like bears, toys.
1: We toys. We had movies. We had mm-hmm. you know, crayons, colored pencils, um, yeah. coloring books, things like that. Mm -hmm. um just let
0: them choose something
1: yeah we had we had yeah we had all those things things. to this day like i have anxiety thinking about interviewing a child because it's just it's so it's a whole different it's like learning Mm -hmm. a different language
0: yeah it it really
1: is kids don't articulate their the exact feelings to you you know
0: no and then you can't lead them you can't ask Mm -hmm. leading questions like they have to come on their own and open up to you so it's hard
1: yeah exactly um so so that goes into
0: like doing our exam and photographing mm-hmm. it's super complicated because of all the things we just talked about and then let yes. alone let there be developmental delays and then that adds to it
1: yes and little little kids don't sit still <laughs> nope little so little getting photos don't... done um yeah. so notify law enforcement and or dcfs slash caps And or parents um, attempt to notify parents that patient is receiving treatment has to be made when patient is a minor, regardless. Consenting age in some places. Um, DCFS slash CPS via phone or online while patient is still physically in hospital or office, depending on situation. Um, DCFS has made it really easy to report. So um, you call the number. They ask you. uh, It's like a prompt. And you pick two, you pick out of like one of two prompts and then you talk to a person. Like in all hours, mm-hmm. there's somebody always answering phone calls. 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. Seven, seven, seven,
0: 7
1: yes. And then we had to You can also a do
0: cop- an online report. Like it's easy. They make it real easy. Yeah, we really? have to fax a copy too. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's different about where I work now, which is why I put this in here, is that if a child that's a minor comes in a sexual assault even if they're over 12 you have to attempt to make contact with their parents um so you don't have to tell them why they're in the hospital or why they're receiving treatment but you have to tell them that they are receiving treatment um so I don't feel like that's something we ever did but
1: it's something I have to do where I work now okay well that makes sense and then be sure to get the referral number because that's how they track the cases and then that the long gas may- number yeah long i'm telling it's like what 16 digits or something crazy right yeah something
0: crazy like
1: 16 digit number something insane be sure to get their phone number and then the report may come secondary to another case um the child with so i've called dcfs for child witnessing events probably like half the time it's a big, yeah, it's a big it was a big uh percentage for me mm-hmm. so
0: me too and a lot of times parents won't want to tell you that the child witnessed it because they already know yes
1: um, yes so
0: dcfs has their own like uh time frame for their response times and screenings and how they assess stuff so screenings mm-hmm. begin immediately for all reports um If it's an emergency response, then the screening is completing within two hours. Mm -hmm. Um, A a non-emergency response screening is completed within one working day with an additional one working day extension in rare circumstances. Emergency investigation must begin within two to four hours and be completed within five working days of the receipt of the report.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: non-emergency investigation must begin within three working days of receipt of report and completed within 15 working days and then a family assessment may take up to 45 working days
1: oh okay dang so
0: i've had a couple of emergency responses where dcfs responded to the hospital and came into custody of the child have you
1: Mm -hmm. um i had one case the worst child abuse that i've ever had where I came on shift and took over uh, because day shift had started it. so I took over for day shift and DCFS was there already. So I don't know how that happened. I mean, I mean, I don't know if the, the caregiver who the child was with, no, the caregiver who the child was with got arrested actually. And then then the children were brought to the hospital where DCFS the children were brought to the hospital by law enforcement where DCFS met them. I see. Yeah. So, that makes sense. So, you know, yeah. um, but that was the only time. And then I had one where the DCFS worker was with the child, but I don't remember if I can't remember if she came with the child or if she came in the middle of the investigation. Actually, same thing. Now that I now I remember um child was brought in by law enforcement and then she met us there and then she actually took the child with her home i mean not not to her house but she left the child left with this worker yeah i've had a couple and it's never
0: pretty but i've also had where the mom was like new because we have to tell them right we have to tell the family like that we're notifying dcfs Mm -hmm. you can't not tell them so once they i've had cases where i've told them and then they've tried to run um and -hmm. security has. Security can only follow them so far. They'll follow them to the parking lot. And once they're in the car and driving away, it's out of our hands. But we'll write down the license plate number and then we'll um, pass that on to the police. But I have had a couple where people have run.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's never smart. Okay, so if a report is screened out, it may also be because the alleged perpetrator of the abuse or neglect has been identified. And the individual was not in a caregiver role during the time when the abuse or neglect took place. With the exception of human trafficking allegations, incidents where the alleged perpetrator was not in a caregiver role are beyond DCFS's authority to address. In these situations, DCFS may contact and refer the case to the the district attorney and local law enforcement. Okay, so they send it over to the DA and law enforcement. Yeah, so that's just
0: to be a little in defense of DCFS because sometimes people are like, well, they didn't do anything. Well sometimes if it's not an emergency then they can uh, screen it out yeah they have their own protocols all right y'all thank you so much for tuning in to part two of our child abuse series as always you can reach us on all your social media platforms at forensic nurse files you can reach out to us via gmail with any questions comments concerns at forensic nurse files pod at gmail.com Please make sure to like, comment, subscribe, leave us some feedback. And if you or anyone you know is a nurse in the forensics field, please have them reach out to us. But until then, stay safe and we'll catch you next time.